You love your mid-century house, but do you have a lovable mid-century front door? What does the outside of your house say to the world and to you about the life you're living inside it? If your home needs a curb appeal tune-up, then this episode is for you. Today, let's talk about how to take your front door from drab to dramatic. My friends, we're going to have some fun with this. Let's get into it. Hey there, welcome back to Mid-Modern Model. This is the show about updating MCM homes, helping you match a mid-century home to your modern life. I'm your host, Della Hansman, architect and mid-century ranch enthusiast. You're listening to Season 11, Episode 10. This episode is a companion to a blog post I wrote several years ago and have recently updated. It's got a lot of helpful visuals that you may want to check out. And if we're going to be getting started, the first thing you want to do is grab my free mid-mod front door guide. This resource is a checklist of the first things you can do to improve your mid-century house front door aspect. So go grab it and see everything that is going to illustrate what I'm talking about today at the show notes page, midmod-midwest.com slash 1110. But now if you really want to get serious about shining up your front door and more, if you want to take your home's curb appeal to the next level, then I want you to sign up for the mid-century exteriors clinic I'm giving to my ready-to-remodel students on March 18th. Now, during this two-hour Saturday workshop, I will be answering all of the questions about mid-century exterior upgrades. Wondering if you need to replace your siding? Sure. I'll give you criteria to decide if it needs to go or stay, and the best options for residing a mid-century house, what you need to know about trim, single or multiple color palettes, etc. If you're curious about replacement windows, we'll talk about why you might or might not want to, and what works best for a mid-century house, and how to make affordable choices. I'll be detailing not just what you want to use, but how you can place house numbers, lights, your mailbox, and other design elements to best mid-century effect. You get the picture, so sign up for the clinic. It's free to my ready-to-remodel students, but you can join us and workshop your house in two weeks in real time right alongside us for just $47 if you sign up for the early bird price. I will see you there. All right, let's get into the topic. A charming mid-century house may not, after all these years, still have a charming exterior. It might simply be run down from its original qualities, or it may have had some mistaken replacement effects done in the 80s, 90s, or early 2000s that have damaged its mid-century creds. So whatever the state of your house is right now, we're going to talk about how you can make it more mid-century charming and modern appealing at the same time. Now, here's a little bit about my own front door journey. Ongoing. I was instantly drawn to my sweet front door from the moment I drove up to the house following the realtor. That doesn't mean I thought it was doing everything right. It had a cohesiveness that I could appreciate, even though it wasn't my style or the style that I felt was most appropriate for a tuned-up mid-century house. The previous owners of my house had definitely defaulted to the traditional ranch. They had a white split-rail fence, a pair of carriage lamps, one was on a dangerously leaning post and the other one next to the door, above faux hammered iron mailbox. The house numbers were also in that sort of faux blacksmith, minimal traditional style. The brightest thing about the whole house, the red-painted door, was fading back to a sort of sad salmon pink and hidden behind a rusting half-light storm door. Even the classic mid-century hedges were growing out of control and filled with, as I later found out, two generations of lost trash, including paper plates that had sifted down through the greenery and were hidden, sort of rotting behind an impenetrable hedge over the years. Note, this kind of sculpted evergreen hedge is super high maintenance. Absent the former owners pruning for just two months, they were sprouting energetic little shoots and trying to break out of their rigid boxes. I ended up deciding to pull remove that hedge so that I could repaint the house more easily. 
The bottom line is I knew I had a lot of changes I wanted to make. And here's a quick rundown of some of the things I've done for the house um, and still plan to do for my own home that you'll recognize from following me on Instagram or listening to this podcast. My first actual step towards improving the curb appeal of my front house was huge and labor intensive. I don't necessarily recommend this as a step one to you, but I scraped and sanded off the lead paint, which was peeling, so dangerous, and toothpaste green, not my favorite, which renewed all of my original wood siding, was otherwise in great shape, and I painted it, of course, Della Handsome and Millennial Gray. Uh, my first step towards fixing up the snappy mid-century door was much more simple. I bought a Modbox mailbox, which I'd been obsessing about for a while, and popped it on the house. Over the next few years, I got around to painting the front door to match that mailbox uh, with a paint I had matched at my local paint store, turned up the design and lighting by replacing the vintage carriage lamps with modern... Uh, relatively sleek white lights from Home Depot, I would love to go further and replace them with something in like a bow tie pattern from Hip Haven, but I haven't got around to it yet. I created a set of jaunty house numbers by cutting the Nutra font style out of a sheet of stick-on rice paper from Home Depot and attached them to my front door lights. Later, I came back and put house numbers from modern house numbers onto a new fence I added in place of the original split rail fence. I closed off my former gaping, sort of empty, haunted-looking breezeway with a cedar slat wall that became now more garage space behind it and then actually a mudroom space that opens off my kitchen in the second half of the breezeway. I replaced that horrible leaning fence uh, with a new one in cedar slats that matches the cedar slat design of the breezeway closure. And I've got some other plans to maybe build up my front stoop at some point. I've continued to do little painting projects, painting the white trim around my door to match the house in gray, painting the garage door, which had been never painted before, white to match the house and blend out of the color a little bit more. I've thought of other things I could do to the house that go a lot further, like, for example, change the roof line or build a generous covered deck over my front door steps, as I wish I could, but I don't want to go overboard on this house. I think I have taken this from an extremely modest 1952 ranch, mm, the tired end, to the trendy tip of modern mid-century styling on a budget and with relatively little effort spread out over a couple of years. One fun thing is I've noticed that I've made changes to my house and some of those changes I've seen repeated around the neighborhood. Now, this could just be a coincidence, but I do think it was interesting that within the year I put a Modbox mailbox on my house, I saw a whole bunch of them popping up on the surrounding blocks. And my dog walk uh, survey, which is very unscientific, has really seen that this is taking off in our area. I would be very curious to find out if they've noticed a surge in the Madison area or particularly in the Midvale Heights neighborhood uh, since I put mine up and started to post about it on Instagram all the time. Here's a fun thing you'll find when you tune up your mid-century house. What's popular might not always be right according to the middle stool poster, but it can be fun to be cool. And if you make a change to your house, you might find that some of your neighbors follow suit. A neighbor down the block actually ended up doing a paint job on their house that exactly matched my own which didn't totally thrill me only because I left the trim around my windows white because they were replacement windows with metal that I didn't want to start a cycle of painting. And they painted their original wood trim white. If I had been able to tell them what I did and why, rather than they just looked at my house and seemed to like it, I would have advised them to paint their trim gray as well. That's another topic for another day. So here's the question. What can you do for your home this spring is coming. And if you want to make a few changes, the first thing you want to know is what defines a mid-century front door? 
What makes a great mid-century front door look? Here are a few key design elements to keep in mind no matter what the scale of change you want to make for your house is. First, bold color. Colored palettes shifted throughout the mid-century decades, but this was not a bashful era. This was an era of colorways. So for your front door, the simplest thing, rather than changing your color of your whole house, change the color of your front door, go for pop. Pick your favorite lime, teal, butterscotch, uh, orange. If you want to match me, feel free. I won't feel uh, upset if you copy me. Or red. Basically, you want it to be fun and bold. Then you want to think about shapes. Unlike almost every era before, the mid-century house did not organize itself symmetrically with everything on either side of the front door matching in an array of one, two, or three windows or one, two, or three carriage lamps, etc. We are focused on asymmetry. The mid-mod designers were more casual. Just as they experimented with open plans on the inside, they were busy changing what the feel of the house had to look like on the outside. So feel free to throw symmetry out the window as you rethink your front door. And the third thing to bear in mind is a variety of texture and materials. Most mid-century ranch houses have more than one material on their facade. Now, mine is the most modest version, so it has only wooden siding. But many houses in my neighborhood and yours have stone knee walls or brick. The most modest even have just a variety of vertical siding and horizontal. Mix it up. Feel free to add natural materials or fun manufactured ones. If your house doesn't have enough detail, think about a breeze block wall to add interest to the simple ranch form. Now, with those basics in mind, let's talk about what you could do right away, literally in a weekend, if the weather holds, to improve your home's curb appeal. And that, of course, is a level one remodeling project. Today, we're going to focus most of our time and attention on the level one things you can do to improve your front door area, because if you haven't done these things yet, do them right away. Remember, the other nice thing about a level one project is that it's a low investment of time and money. So if you want to do something level one for satisfaction right now, you can come back and do them over again more intensely next year or a couple of years from now, and you haven't lost anything. Because a level one improvement is often a product you've purchased, you could purchase a fun new mailbox for your house right now and then take it off again when you update the siding and reinstall it on your new, more elaborate front door area when you get back around to it. Don't wait for that happy day in the future when you've got the budget and the time to reside your entire house in order to have a front door you like right now. Don't wait for the budget to replace your weird 90s cut glass door. Paint the door you have and then replace it later. You've lost nothing. Um, but you have one looking at a color pop that makes you smile every day. So if you're just tipping your toe into the waters of either any home improvement projects whatsoever or into mid-century modern, let's start small. Start with just two things. Now here's the caveat. Don't pick just one thing I'm saying because mid-century is all about asymmetry and keeping your eye off balance, moving around. So you need a couple of elements in play. So to start, I would recommend with picking a mid-century style mailbox. I love... Modbox Mailbox, both their house-mounted versions and their street variety, but there's a couple of other great mid-century mailbox designers out there. Grab one that suits you. This is also the easiest way to pick the color for your pop, your front door, or your entire house siding, because you can take this mailbox to the paint store and have it matched by a quart in the same color and make your front door pop. Um, I've done a blog post about how you can do this, but basically just go to your local paint store with an object and they've got a laser scanner that can exactly match the color and produce a paint to be a perfect match, just as if it was planned that way. Note, I do not advise you to paint your shutters to match your front door and your mailbox because I do not advise you to have 
shutters. I've talked about this in other places, but shutters on a mid-century house are really only appropriate if you're going for the entirely twee mid-century traditional cottage look. And that's not what I teach anyone who listens to Mid-Modern Model. So if you aren't inclined to match your front door to the color of your mailbox, go ahead, feel free to experiment. I like simplicity. So I have one color on the entire front of my house, uh, one accent color for the entire front of my house, and it's orange. I have an orange mailbox, an orange front door, and an orange snow shovel that sits out front all winter long. Um, my sister, who loves a multiplicity of colors, has one color for her front door, which is matched by the interior living room wall you can see from the street in daylight. Her mailbox has two other coordinating colors, and she's got a couple of other coordinating colors that flip around the area too. So feel free to experiment paint samples, or better yet, paint your door with a sample quart, and then paint it again. And then paint it again until you get it right. My neighbor repainted her front door four times before she found the color she loved to walk up to. And now she gets compliments all the time. So if you want to keep going, do a few more easy weekend elbow grease projects. Update your house lights. Just replace the exact lights you have with others in the same spot. If you are familiar with DIYable electrical work, this is a homeowner project you can do in a weekend. If you've never done any electrical wiring before, this is something you hire out, but it's still a relatively straightforward project. Update your house numbers. Next week on the podcast, I'm going to be talking with the owners of Modern House Numbers, who is one of my favorite modern house numbers companies. We'll talk about this in more detail next week, but the default advice for modern house numbers of any source is go as big as you can. This is both a style thing and also just practical. You want the UPS guy and the pizza delivery guy to be able to find your house very easily. With just those elements, a fun front door color, new lights, a mailbox, and bold house numbers, you've made some changes that just about anybody walking by on the street will stop and appreciate. Remember, the mid-century front door isn't about everything matching, it's about balancing. So where do you go from there? From that point on, we're kind of talking about level two moves. For bigger mid-century moves, focus up on asymmetry. Play up any irregular elements in your facade. Use new elements to aim your eye to the front door from the sidewalk, to the garage door, or any other way you want your guests to approach the front door. You can do this with landscaping planting or with a decorative fence. A good way to think about this is to create two or three visual blocks that stretch in different directions. One piece of something around your house that's more horizontal and linear. This might be a fence or a knee wall of brick that already exists, and one that's more vertical. This might be a natural planting, or it might be siding turning in a different direction. I've got some sketches of this in the show notes page. Here's a checklist of other level two things you might do to improve your front door area. You could replace the door itself. Um, If you have your original front door, hooray, you may be in luck. It might just need a tune-up. But if someone has replaced it in the interstitial era, then you definitely want to bring it back to the mid-century period. I highly recommend you check out RetroRenovation.com, where the diva of preserving mid-century houses, Pam Cooper, has assembled a great list of places where you can source an authentic mid-mod style front door. Um, Or if you like a more modern mid-century door, you can find a bunch of these from the various door replacement sources. If you have a lot of DIY energy, you can just get a simple slab door and then make a custom mid-century front door with a kit from Make It Mid-Century. There are links to all these things in the show notes page, by the way. Um, Once you've got a great front door itself, remember now paint that into a color you love, or if you've chosen to get it in a lovely wood stain, that's also all right. You can improve your steps and stoop. Most 
builder basic vintage front door stoops are too narrow. You want to have a place for a couple of people to stand or for one person to stand back and juggle a large package or some furniture coming in while the door swings open. Now you don't want to go too big. You don't need a space for a dozen carol singles to gather once a year, but you do want to have a space where even you yourself might want to sit with a cup of coffee and a calm front door watching dog, not my dog, uh, and watch the world go by. You might also want to add overhead protection. Add a portico, a pergola, or extend your roof line. This is a great project at level two. Some ranches do come with covered porches, and if yours does, hooray. But if it doesn't, this is a marvelous way to make your guests feel more welcome and encourage you to stop coming and going through the garage and actually use your front door. It's really unpleasant to fumble with your keys outside when it's precipitating on you. So having a place to stand undercover just helps to extend the feeling of entry as you come into the house and actually protect your inside of your house from weather when the door opens and closes. You can also enliven your landscaping. If you have a green thumb, dig in with adding several varieties of texture and height to the area between your house and the street level. Nothing looks homelier, not good, than a tiny ranch just sort of sitting alone in a sea of bare lawn. Ranches are supposed to be low, horizontal, and connected to their surrounding landscape. So give yours a hand by transitioning between the house and yard with some plantings. And you can also put plants into planters. They don't only need to go in the ground. Raised beds or planters are not only easier to tend, but they have more visual punch. They can look good when they're emptied out for the winter or be left with some year-round shrubberies intact. Mix and match planters and fence elements to create a sense of privacy right up to your front door. And then also extend a walkway all the way out to the sidewalk. One of my pet peeves is a house approach where the guests have to walk up the driveway, a car space, in order to get to your front door. So why not connect the house to the public way directly? Pretend you live like a pedestrian. This is where you can really go nuts with Pinterest ideas. There are so many great projects online that to emulate that you'll never have time to try them all. Um, I like to search thefamilyhandyman.com whenever I'm taking on a mid-sized project like this. They have great step-by-step tutorials for everything from how to build a window wall, retaining wall, to how to set a fence post. Their aesthetic is much more traditional or cottage than mid-mod, but you can follow their methods and then give the projects a mid-century twist. This is absolutely what I do when I'm DIYing something I haven't designed or done before. If you want to go a little bigger on your project, you'll be calling a pro. To go all in, you need to bring in a professional, a contractor, or a team thereof. Options include you could build a deck or a patio straight out from your front door. You could change the roof line. If you're planning a small addition, make sure it works with your entry and strengthens it rather than ruining your house. The ideal front door has a protected space to stand where you fumble with your keys or where someone knocks and waits to be let in. You can take your ranch from dull to daring by adding a cross gable over the front entry, that is a pitched roof that points towards the street instead of runs parallel to it. You could wrap that over the garage and make that part of your entry statement. I've got a sketch of how my house could have been transformed if I really wanted to go all in with a cross gable entry, and it is dramatic. A big enough change can change the quality of your interior spaces too. So this might be your chance to raise the ceiling in your living area, to improve your solar aspect, to get more passive solar heating, to pull in more natural light, or find a spot for PV panels on your roof. The sky is really the limit here. Now, you'll never turn a modest Midwestern ranch house into a California Eichler, 
that flat roof wouldn't be smart in the snow. But you can look for inspiration around you in houses that have been remodeled and those with original, jauntier, bolder design features. So keep your eyes peeled on my Instagram. Follow Mid-Century Instagram around. Pinterest should be your go-to. I have a custom board for Mid-Century front doors over there too. Link on the blog page. Um, but I just want you to think about all the things you could do and then narrow it down to what you're going to do. But dream big. I'm encouraging you to start making some changes this weekend, but I warn you that once you start to think of one thing you want to change about the front of your house, you tend to think of a lot more. I get a lot of calls from people who realize they're about to just replace their siding in a permanent way. Um, that's the idea behind Hardy Board or LP Smart Side. You make a choice that's going to be low maintenance for you because you're not going to recolor or change it for a long time. But once you start thinking about that choice, it starts to give you a little bit of a panic attack. This is a commitment. How do you know you're going to do the right color? What other things will be affected by it? You'll have to remove your light fixtures, your house numbers. Um, this starts to be a pretty big decision. It's actually what I think of as a decision cascade, when one thing you must change then leads you to a whole host of other decisions. And this is true so often in so many parts of home improvement. If you want to replace the tile floor in your bathroom, you have to pull up the toilet. So then there's a question you need to address. Do I keep the same toilet or replace it? You might reveal some structural issues. Perhaps you need to replace subfloor to an to an ancient leak that's been long since addressed. Perhaps changing the color of the tile means you need to address the paint colors or other finish colors elsewhere in the room. Like I said, this kind of decision cascade is really common. And I get a lot of my design SOS hour consult calls around exterior of house decision cascades, particularly when someone wants to replace their siding. They'll call and we'll end up making a plan for them to update all the parts of their house from the door to the house numbers to the mailbox and more. I told you already, we're going to be doing um, a mid-century exteriors clinic on March 18th, but actually I'll be addressing the kind of challenge of a materials decision cascade and a new workshop in April. We'll be talking about how to make a style guide to simplify all those remodeling choices and help you create that cohesive vision for what you want to do in any part of your house or throughout all of it. The style guide is so wonderful because when you're trying to do a whole remodel at once, you've focused all of your choices. They can be even more useful when you know you're going to be taking your house one project at a time over the next several years. Because the worst case scenario for a step-by-step -step project house is that you end up forgetting and then having to relearn every home improvement lesson and make every choice again over and over and over every time you tackle a new project. The alternative, the best case scenario, is that it makes your life simpler when you do something again you've done before. And that's what the style guide method is really designed to do. So to get back to our topic today, I'll be taking a style guide approach to any part of your house. Um, in the April clinic, I'll be using a small bathroom remodel as an example for my workshop. We'll be talking about style guides a little in the exterior design clinic too, but if you're really thinking about projects for your house, I recommend you sign up for both. Um, here's a, actually a tip. Just like the exterior design clinic that's coming up, if you're curious about the ready to remodel program, both of these are for ready to remodel students. And if you're not one, I encourage you to check out one of these clinics because it's a great idea for two reasons. One, beyond, well, three reasons, the actual subject matter, which will absolutely help you out. Then two additional reasons. The first uh, is that it will give you a really clear idea of my teaching style. You'll see exactly what you would learn inside of ready to remodel for your home. And the second great reason is that the people who come to these clinics are some of my favorite people to work with inside of Ready to Remodel. So I typically offer a discount to folks who enroll in the clinic if they decide to join the Ready to Remodel program afterwards. 
just bear that in mind. And if you've been listening to the podcast for a long time and didn't know this yet, we now offer these clinics. They are a live Zoom event you can attend on a weekend, see my face, talking uh, in real time, ask your questions and get direct feedback on your own problems. But they're also saved as a recorded event, so you can watch them on your own time. And if you're listening to this podcast months or years after the original air date, hit pause on this episode and go sign up to take the workshop whenever the timing is right for you. You won't regret it. All right, my friend, what are you going to do first for your mid-century front door? Send me a DM on Instagram because I want to hear about it. And I'd love to see a picture of your front door as it is right now. And then maybe one after you've improved it. We're looking at a snowy weekend here in Madison, but depending on where you are, you might be in home improvement weather already. And if not, you can start planning right now, gathering your ideas, gathering your materials. I want to know what you're going to try first. And I hope I'm going to see you at the Exteriors Clinic a week from Saturday. Next week on the podcast, I'll be chatting with the mind behind modern house numbers. So tune in to hear how this great small business helps homeowners like you create mid-century updates for their front door areas. Doesn't that sound topical? And until then, enjoy thinking about your mid-century front door.